0: Thanks for tuning in. The following audio is from Redemption Church, located in the heart of San Francisco, California. We are a multi-ethnic, intergenerational church that exists to make disciples. For more information, visit www.redemptionsf.com. The reading of God's word comes from the book of James, chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Come now, you rich. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. This is the word of the Lord. Redemption family, hey, it's a privilege to gather with you again and to open up God's word with you. Uh, So I'm so glad that you're here. If you're new with us, thank you for joining us. I want to encourage you to go to RedemptionSF.com and to just click on that new tab and send us a line. We would really love the opportunity to connect with you and to also get you connected to others. Hey, if you haven't filled out the church survey yet, do that today. Today is actually the last day to do that. We would love your input and your feedback as we dream up ways to begin to gather in person again. So go to redemptionsf.com/survey and fill out that survey before it's too late. Uh, we're jumping back into our march through James and the heart of James is that faith would uh, kind of trickle into every area of our lives that faith would trickle into our relationships and that it would flow and overflow into our conflicts and, uh, and even the way we view money. And so today I've tagged our time together, the almighty dollar. But would you pause for a moment and pray with me? Let's pray, Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to gather as a church. Uh, Lord, thank you for all that you're doing among us. Lord, we thank you uh, for our challenges, though they are many. uh, And we thank you, Lord God, for how you've brought us through so far. We thank you that you are not the kind of God that would bring us this far and leave us now, but you are with us, that you are for us, that you are near us. And we just thank you for being that kind of God. Father, I pray as we go to your word now that you would do a work in us. I pray, God, that you would use your word to change us and renew us and restore us, that we may be more like Jesus. Convict our hearts uh, and conform us into the image, O God, of your son. I pray you would move me aside that we may hear from you this morning. It's in Jesus' name and everybody's so Amen. Uh, so there's a show on Netflix called Million Dollar Beach House, and uh, I'm not giving a raving endorsement of the show, but it's intriguing because you get a chance to get an inside look into these extravagant beachfront homes. I mean, they've got all the bells and whistles, and they've got these exceptional views. So the Hamptons, of course, is a couple hours east of New York, and it's where the wealthy go to play. It's kind of a a, a tranquil, restful place for wealthy people to buy homes, vacation there, and just to hang out. And uh, it's interesting because the show depicts kind of the tension and the conflict and the competitiveness between the real estate agents. And it's extremely intriguing. One real estate agent said it this way, you can't be part time at home, playing with the kids. If you want to be a real estate agent in the Hamptons, there's no room for doing real estate that way. It's impossible to make money. Another agent would say, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money. Some of the wealthiest in the country go to buy vacation homes there and these real estate agents circle this clientele like sharks. The industry is cutthroat, here it, because of the desire for money. Yet it's not just happening in the Hamptons. We live in one of the wealthiest cities, in one of the wealthiest countries in the world. For years, our city has been known for its wealth. Whether it's the gold rush of 1849 and people by the thousands flocking to San Francisco or the proverbial gold rush of the 21st century, the the tech industry. For a long time, people have come to San Francisco in search of gold. So many have believed the lie that the almighty dollar will bring significance, meaning, and value. So many have bought the lie that the proverbial gold will bring real satisfaction. Some of us have convinced ourselves that money will solve our problems. And so it was the great poet, uh, the notorious B.I.G. that once said, Mo money, mo problems. (laughs) Yet James is not inherently against money. James is not demonizing money. James wants to caution every believer that we might see the danger in our wealth. It was the Apostle Paul that penned these words in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. See, when your devotion to money is greater than your devotion to God, it clouds your vision. You are unable to see the plan of God clearly. You are unable to fully walk out the will of God for your life. See, when we are committed to, to Jesus, nothing is off limits. We cannot come to God with clenched fists. We can't say, God, you can have my relationships, but you can't have my work. We can't say, God, you can have my children, but you can't have my anxiety. We can't say, God, you 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 can have my sickness, but you can't have my depression. God, you 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 can have my Sunday morning, but you can't have my money. Don't work like that. Might be terrible English, but it's fantastic theology. It doesn't work that way. James sees it in the church. People are being seduced by what they have. So James sounds the alarm to catch our attention that we may live the way God intends for us to live, even in handling money. Listen to this serious language that James throws out to the wealthy who have missed it. Listen to this in verse one. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Even in verse three, he says, uh, the corrosion of your gold and silver will eat your flesh like fire. James is saying, this is serious. James makes it clear that judgment comes upon those who misuse what God has given them. I think in between the lines of our text, as John Calvin says, there's a message here for the poor that not only is there judgment for the wealthy who misuse what God has given them. But I think there's hope for the have nots. God is saying, I see what you're going through and I'm not turning a blind eye to it. I got your back. God wants those who have very little to know. He is a defender of the week. James tells those that have overvalued money, wealth has an expiration date. Like none of it will actually last. No matter how hard you fight to climb the corporate ladder, it won't last. Look at verse two with me. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded no matter how precious, no matter how valuable it has an expiration date. Jesus actually said it from his own mouth this way in Matthew chapter 16 verses 19 through 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. When neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Also, don't miss this, that there are some unhealthy treasures that they are here today and gone tomorrow, that they they are here today and giving you pleasure and gone tomorrow. The words of Jesus and the words of James, they remind us that our heart is meant for more. Your heart is meant for what's lasting. Your heart is actually meant for what's eternal. The indictment from James isn't about their tax bracket. It's about what they do while they're in their tax bracket. God has given us money And resources not to hold on to them with everything in us, not not overcommit ourselves to making more rather to use what he's given us for kingdom purposes. Listen to Hebrews chapter 13, verse five. Keep your life from love of money. And be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is a promise of God. And the writer of Hebrews knows that when you and I begin to clinch and hold on to what we have with, with, with all that's in us. When we begin to offer our love to the things of this world, especially money. What we're saying to God is, you won't be here for me. I've got to make a way myself. I've got to provide for myself. I've got to carve a lane for myself. And God is saying, I'm here for you. Don't be a lover of money. See, in James, they're filled with the love of money. And when your life is filled with the love of money, you begin to believe that your wealth is providing for you rather than God when all of your money is gone, when all of your stuff fades away, don't you know that God will remain? Uh, Picture the Egyptian pharaohs around 2500 BC and upon their death, their bodies would be mummied and placed in tombs and pyramids and, and prolific images would be drawn on the walls And statues of warriors would be carved out of clay and and prepared there and and stored there in the tomb where any pharaoh would be laid. And and it was this picture of providing for um, the the pharaoh, even in his death, that that one day, someday, pharaoh is going to make use of these things. And do you know this jewelry and all these carved out warriors. We have a glimpse of them today and they're rusting and fading away. And it's amazing history, but it's an amazing truth of life that these things will fade away. They will rust and corrode and there's nothing you and I can do about it. James is saying this stuff will rust away. And no matter how much you're able to attain, it won't last that it has an expiration date. And here's what he's saying. What good is it? What good is it when we one day stand before God after hoarding all and falling in love with money? What good will it do you? The question becomes, what do you treasure? Jesus says where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Uh, where's your heart? What do you treasure but secondly a good preacher has three points but today i've only got two james tells those that have a high view of money uh too high view of money he tells them that wealth is not to be used as a tool of oppression i want the church to hear this and to soak this in i want the church to hear that god has a message for the haves God has a word for those who have resources. Look at verse 4. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed their fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. Did you catch the wickedness of the wealthy here? They are literally cheating the poor out of uh, the work, the, the money that they've earned. They're using the wealth and their power to oppress the poor. Look at verse 6. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. Rather than using their money for good, they're using what God has given them to put their hands on the scales of justice. Listen, the scriptures uh, speak to this. Look at Proverbs chapter 17 verse 5 with me. Whoever mocks the poor insults his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. Even in Proverbs chapter 22 verse 16. Look at this with me. Whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or gives to the rich will only come to poverty. And in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 22 through 23, look at this, do not rob the poor because he is poor or crush the afflicted at the gate for the Lord will plead their cause and rob of life those who rob them. Heavy words for those who use their God-given wealth to oppress the poor. That the God of the Bible sees And the God of the Bible will move into action for those who oppress the poor. See, God wants to see the opposite happening. God wants wealthy people in high places who will see the poor as the image bearers that they are. God wants wealthy people who will break down broken systems and bring justice and restore shalom rather than perpetuating violence against the poor. God wants wealthy people who will say, you don't have money for a lawyer. I know the system will be slanted against you. If you walk into the courtroom without a lawyer, I'm going to help you get a lawyer. God wants people of faith to go beyond the bare minimum. God wants People with means to say, I'm going to be sure you get paid a livable wage. And in fact, I'm going to fight for your cause. God wants people of faith to to see what's happening even in our city and to say, oh, there's a housing crisis. Who can I lobby? What can I do? What solutions can I come up with? God wants wealthy people even in the city, to say San Francisco is the kind of city that has pushed out black and brown people uh, at a disproportionate rate. What can we do to come up with solutions? What, What can we do to fight the powers that be? What can we do to find solutions? Those are the kind of wealthy people that God is looking for. Those are the kind of Christ followers that God is after. It's the story of, uh, Khalif Browder, and this is a devastating story. Uh, at 16 years old, Khalif Browder was arrested. Uh, he was accused of robbery, stealing a backpack from someone. And the entire time, from the point at which he was arrested uh, until he went to jail in New York, he he had uh, he he had pleaded his cause. And he he maintained his innocence the entire time that he was on Rikers Island in New York. And do you know that he was there on Rikers Island for three long years? And not only was he there for three years, but he spent more than two years in solitary confinement. He is a child. And he's, he's abused by other inmates. He's violated by uh, the Rikers Island staff there. They caught it on video. And after three years of fighting this case because he refused to plead out, he refused to plead guilty for something he was innocent of, after three years for a lack of evidence, he all charges were dropped and he was just released to go about his life, arrested at 16 years old, maintained, his innocence, and uh, yet the damage was already done. And do you know that Khalif Browder was in uh, Rockers Island for three years with a $3,000 bail? That if he or his family could have just come up with, if they just could have put the money together for $3,000, a $3,000 bail, he would not have had to stay in jail for three years. He would not have been found himself in solitary confinement for more than two years. And Khalif Browder, he uh, came out of jail and he he wasn't right. The damage had already been done. The trauma had, had already been done. And he found himself in and out of uh, a mental institution there in New York. And he eventually took his own life, $3,000. This man was, this child was oppressed by the powers that be in one of the wealthiest cities in the country. How in the world could this happen? The reality is Khalif Browder was poor. He had no representative, had no money to pay for a lawyer. Khalif Browder was a victim of a broken System, And the case James is making is that the wealthy ought to use their resources to bless the poor rather than to crush them. More than anything, what what I love about the God of the Bible is that God sent his son for both the wealthy and the poor. That the grace of Jesus reaches across our status. It reaches across our tax bracket. The finished work of Jesus finds us in our abundance and the finished work of Jesus finds us in our lack. Do you know, church, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus proves real treasure, lasting treasure, and it can only be found in Jesus. And as Jesus is at the cross, he is declaring through his death, burial and the victory in the empty tomb. He declares to you and I today that I am the real treasure, that I am the only living wealth that you should put your hope, hope and significance in and find your joy in Jesus declares that to you and I at the cross he declares it to you and I at the resurrection that that there is no amount of money in this world that is worth our devotion and he calls us to himself reminds me of his scripture that says if anyone is heavy burdened come to me and I will give you rest he offers us rest today, the kind of rest that the almighty dollar will never be able to give us. The kind of rest that no home in the Hamptons could ever offer us. Jesus' sacrifice offers us that rest today. Let's pray. Church, Father, we thank you for your unconditional love. We thank you that we can come to you boldly and you hear us with all of our imperfections lord you you receive us by faith and i pray father that today would be the day somebody puts their confidence in you that they would remove their devotion and allegiance to the things from the things of this world and they would offer it to you thank you father that we don't have to clean ourselves up before we come to you Thank you, Father, that you meet us right where we are. And you love us like the prodigal sons and daughters that we are. And Father, we say yes to you today. Lord, I pray over those that are hurting today. I pray over those that are in need today. God, would you be a comforter and a provider? And it's in Jesus' name, amen.